Welcome back, listeners. I'm Robin Black, and this is It's All About Healing Podcast. In today's episode, blessed and highly favored with my cousin, Dana Daniels. Dana is going to tell us today about his 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 journey with con- congestive heart failure and as well as receiving, receiving transplants. Dana, tell us a little bit about your story and tell us how you're doing today. What's up, cousin? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. You're very welcome. Um, my journey is very interesting. I started off in March of 2008. I thought I had pneumonia and some other things. We kept couldn't figure. We could not figure it out. Doctors had me coming back, and then ultimately, I couldn't stop coughing. And I went to St. Vincent for the ER room. After I got in the ER room, they told me that a couple of days later that I had congestive heart failure. So I've been dealing with it since March of 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, just medicated with my doctors in the fellowship program at St. Vincent from 2008 through 2014. It was just medication, get the medication, continue to go to work, do everything. I'd have some ups and some downs. But then around uh, 2016, things started taking a turn for the worse. And my ejection fraction started dropping, which is your heart pumping. The ejection fraction started to drop from uh, below 40% and tried to couple conversions, some other things to get my heart back in the right place. But it was diagnosed that I had a cardiomyopathy and my doctors told me that I needed a heart transplant. So, um, but before that, in 2019, when my ejection fraction dropped to below 15%, I had a uh, major surgery, my first major surgery, which was a left left ventricular assist device, which is called an LVAD. Mm-hmm. And that was a uh, amazing time in March of November 2019. Um, it was my first open heart surgery. And uh, they told me that I needed this left ventricular assist device or I wouldn't be here. So um, I had to contemplate it. Obviously, I took the decision to take that and had the surgery in uh, November of 2019, which was my first open heart surgery. And um, I actually had two ventricular assist device for a week because my heart was so weak. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a right ventricular assist device and a left ventricular assist device while I was in the hospital for a week. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I only had to you have one. I had the right ventricular assist device removed, which is called RVAD. Had that removed, then um, stayed in the hospital for probably yeah forty seven days. Actually, it was forty seven days. Recovered. Um, went to physical rehab and was on the transplant heart transplant list mm-hmm. once i was on the heart transplant list um after well that took many many things to get to the heart transplant list you got to take a lot of uh tests you have to get evaluated to be on the list they don't just give hearts away so i right. went through that whole process ultimately and the lvad is what's called a bridge to transplant so as a bridge to transplant i had that for a year and a half waiting by the phone hoping to get a heart transplant Things were going well with the LVAD. I was able to move more. My fluids were down, but I still was not like how I used to be before 2008, 2010. Yeah. Still not the same person, but I uh, was improved. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, um, the LVAD stopped working in about March of 2021. Things were going bad with that for me. So we were trying to figure out what medications would work. I was retaining fluids, things like that. And ultimately, in June of 2021, they said, hey, you got to stay here until you get a new heart. Mm-hmm. 
So I, June 8th, I went to the hospital. Ankles were swollen, just terrible. I couldn't walk from here to across the street. Mm-hmm. Um, just conge- couldn't sleep. Just things were bad, really bad. Yeah. Um, June 8th, I went to the hospital. They said, hey, you got to stay here until you get a heart. So I was in the ICU unit with uh, connected to many medications. I couldn't, I was only go, able to go from my bed to my uh, place to eat, which is my chair right next to my bed because I was connected to so many machines that were keeping my heart pumping. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sat there from June 8th until, and all I would do is just sit there all day, just hoping to get wait for someone to tell me I was going to get a transplant, which was amazing. Um, didn't know how long I was going to be there. You don't have a date. It's just, you could have been there for six months, six weeks, however long. June 8th, June, the weekend of June 28th, before they told me, we think we have a heart for you, a good heart, a great heart and a good kidney because I needed a heart and kidney transplant. Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, June 20th, they told me that weekend and they will be ready, like whatever date that was. And the next that weekend, I, which was the 28th, 29th, I believe of 2021, uh, first surgery was a heart surgery. Yeah. And that was like nine hours, 12 hours which took, they said, four, eight hours or more just to take all the things out with my artificial heart. Because I had to, when I had an artificial heart, it was two batteries and a machine that spun on, was connected to my heart that spun like 5,000 times a minute yeah. to spin the blood, to let it flow. So after I had a heart surgery on the 28th, I was still out. The next day I had a kidney transplant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I woke up like July 4th or 5th, mm-hmm. which was amazing. And uh, I definitely had some amazing dreams and times while I was hallucinating, coming through the surgery and coming off the medications. Um, after that, I uh, went to rehab. I stayed in the hospital for from June 28th through August, probably 12th. I stayed at St. Vincent's for probably six weeks or more. And then I went to uh, rehab center, which helped me bring me back to life at the rehab of Indiana. And um I'm on lifetime medications. I'm a completely different person. Um, the first year was ups and downs. It's always going to be ups and downs right. with a transplant, which is just an amazing thing. I mean, it's just amazing to talk about every day to know that someone would be willing to, someone and their family would be willing to say, hey, I want to be a donor and donate. Mm-hmm. So um, so had some ups and downs. Um, still working through some things now. Um, unfortunately, my kidney's not working as well as it should be. So I had to get back on the transplant list for the kidney. But um, I do know that I, I went, I'm down probably 80 pounds, if not hundred pounds from a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, although my kidney doesn't work now, I have to be on dialysis. I started that in May of this year, mm-hmm. but I am on the kidney transplant list. Um, and what else? And you said, I'm just trying to, Go ahead. Sorry, you said so the average wait time to be on the kidney transplant list is three to five years. But what is the average wait time for a living donor? Well, thanks for asking. There's also options. You can have just get on the kidney transplant list and wait, which is usually three to five years being on the list. Um, so it's just like waiting on a heart transplant. You're just waiting to see if someone if they have someone unfortunately dies and has made the great decision to say I want to be a kidney donor or organ donor and give your organ. Or I could, there's a network that you can have family, friends, anyone, anybody, you know, 
they can give you their kidney. That's what a living donor is. Right. And a living donor is, um, they have to go through a process just like a transplant process where um, they go through medical exams, make sure that everything fits and they're a perfect fit for you and your kidney. Um, their psychological examinations. My hospital covers all their insurance if they want to do it. Most hospitals do. And um, if you're blessed to be able to have someone who can willing to make that sacrifice to give one of their kidneys away to you, then you can set a date with the hospital and say, hey, we want to do this on this date. It only takes actually about two days. Mm-hmm. And my doctors were telling me you can actually even get, which is amazing. There's a possibility that you could get a baby's kidney. And after the first three days, if it works, then you're going to have a good kidney. So wow. yeah, it's pretty, it's amazing. Um, so also with the kidney donor, you don't have to be actually be a match to the person that you give the kidney to. They have a network mm-hmm. where if someone wants to give me a kidney, they can give to a pool of kidneys where if they gave, they went through the process and said they wanted to be a kidney donor, they could, if their kidney didn't match mine, they could put it into a pool of other donors and I can find it, receive a kidney from someone's who also had a friend or someone who didn't match, but gave their kidney, which just opens a pool. Mm-hmm. So it's an amazing process. And just, you know, I've already been through a heart transplant and a kidney transplant. So I'm just still know that I'm blessed and highly favored and things will work out. Absolutely. And you seem like you're in good spirits. So how has this been um, as far as a mental toll on you throughout this entire process? How has that been? It's been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was tough when I was in 2008. I was, uh, you know, practicing law, running my own business, running the streets a little, you know, doing my thing. Yeah. Everything was cool. I was what? I'm 51 now. So I was four, 30 something, 40, whatever. Yeah. And uh you don't expect to think you're going to need to have discussions about having congestive heart failure when you're golfing, playing ball, doing things, hanging out, you know, running a law practice. So from 2008 to 2014, I was a tough uh, patient. Yeah. I didn't follow all the things that my doctors told me to do. Mm-hmm. I took the medications until I needed to, if I felt better, I would stop taking the medication. So I had to learn how to comply. Yeah. Right. And one of my friends from my church, Sharon Wells, sister, mother Wells told me, Reminded me of a song about letting go and letting God. So at my first time when I had to get the LVAD, my first true surgery, the big surgery, that's when I first realized I needed to let go and let God run everything. And I couldn't do anything. I had no control. And once I figured that out and understood that, everything has been a lot easier on me from that day, from that time on. Wow. That's amazing to hear that. And what's it? Yeah, it changed my life. Yeah, what's this journey been like as far as the the hospital staff and with your family and friends? What's that been like? Has that just has that circle just definitely grew significantly, or what's that been like? Significantly, significant growth. Um, hospital employees are heroes. Yeah, they're uh, they don't wear capes, but they're definitely heroes. And uh, like I said, first when I first started off, I would go back and forth. I would bump heads with my doctors. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I thought I had all the answers yeah. and they all, they told me last year at one of our reunion walks that, you know, you thought you had all the answers. You thought I could bring my law practice into, um, this medical field. You can't, you have to listen to them and let go and comply and do what they say. Cause it's such a gift to receive a heart and go through the process. If you just trust them, everything will work out for you. And, uh, it was tough. So I've changed a lot. Yeah. Learning a lot. Uh, I started trying to be mindful 
which was helpful for me. A few years, like about 2014, I started studying mindfulness and things like that, which has helped me calm down and meditate. Yeah. So meditation and mindfulness and the power of seeing all these doctors and all these nurses, amazing people, be so uh, willing to assist. It helped me get through everything. And my family, my mother, my brother, my family, aren't you, everyone in my, I've got a large family. So, you yeah. know, a lot of prayer warriors, a lot of prayer warriors too. So, yeah, it's just been an interesting journey and, you know, <clears throat> changed my life. Yeah. And what exactly is an, is the reunion walk? What do you do during that? Um, it happened in October was my first one this year. Mm-hmm. Um, donors, the Indiana National uh, Donor Association, Donate Indiana. Mm-hmm. As a walk, and it was October this year, downtown Indianapolis, um, IUPUI's campus, where they honor living donors, um, mm-hmm. donor recipients like myself, and um, it's a fundraiser to help people. There's a num- number of things in that donor network that they can do, helping donors um, tell their story, their testimony, meet li- possibly meet living the families of the donor yeah. who gave the heart. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we have scholarship programs for people who kids who possibly um had a received a donor received a uh, donor's heart or eye or whatever else that were organ, and um it's just a fellowship. So my doctors were there, my nurses were there. It's a great fellowship to see all the progress that I had gone through, mm-hmm. and also to just thank them again. So I'll be there next year. I raised like the most money, which was like five I raised like forty five hundred bucks last year. Mm-hmm. And over just like three weeks time. So this year, I'm hopeful to uh, surpass that amount of raising money for the donor network of Indiana. Wow. I never even knew about that. That's very interesting. And that's the thing about organ donation. You don't talk about it. You don't. It's not something you talk about until you have to talk until you need to talk about it. Right. There's a lot of things out there. Interesting, man. So are you in communication with your donor's family? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. And so there's a yeah, process to that as well. Yeah. yeah. There's a process that you have to do. And hopefully soon we will be in contact. Oh, okay. Does it, is it at their discretion or is it just yeah. like a legal? Oh, at okay. Their discretion. Okay. That's at their discretion. Wow. So I'm hopeful one day I can meet them. That would be an amazing experience. That would. Because I live my life every day for him, for her. Right. Oh, okay. Wow. Dana, I did not know that. That is such an amazing story. And so you actually had an artificial heart. So I, when you had this artificial heart, did you, was your heart still there or was it just strictly the machine? Your heart is still there. Okay. That's a- <laughs> um, there's a, there's a, yeah, it's amazing. It's like a, uh, there's a spinning device. That's, my heart's cracked. You get an open heart surgery. So I had the crack all the way down my first open heart surgery. They uh, put a machine, it's a device that's connected to your heart mm-hmm. that helps your heart um, circulate the blood. So it spins like 5,000 uh, seconds, a, whatever, a minute. It spins all that. So you get in, if you touch my heart, if you let, you could hear it, it just hums like a humming sound. Yeah. It just hums constantly. And there's also two batteries that are connected to me. Mm-hmm. The batteries actually aren't connected to me. There's wires from the heart through the stomach. And then there, you have two batteries that connect to this machine and you have a, a system where you have to literally charge yourself up every night, plug yourself in to the wall. 
recharge your batteries because your batteries only last, last 12 hours. Yeah. And at the 12 hour mark, you start hearing a tick, 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 tick. And you have 30, 45 minutes, but the batteries, once they shut down, you don't have anything spinning your heart anymore. So the heart flow could stop. It's amazing. Wow. So I had to, I had to, um, letters to the electric company to make sure if there was a, a power outage or anything that they needed to know to put my power on immediately. Right. Yeah. Cause of, I was connected to the wall. I was literally every night I had a machine, change the batteries, put them in the machine and had a machine overnight that I would connect to. Yeah. And it would hum. So there were, it was two batteries and it was a, 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 a uh, controller system that I wore, mm-hmm. but I, I would still wear regular clothes because my mother and other people helped me to make shirts. Yeah. She made t-shirt undershirts that I would wear. I had the two batteries hooked in. So I still play golf and did some stuff, things that I could try to live as normal life as I could. Yeah. It was amazing. Some people, you know, don't, unfortunately don't receive the blessing that I received, which is to get a heart transplant in a year. Right. So there's a community that I've seen that people are sometimes on LVAD for seven, eight, 10 years. Oh, wow. So I was blessed. Yeah. Wow. That is, man, I just did not, I didn't know. It's pretty deep. Yeah, that is, that is, it's just like, I'm kind of speechless right now. Um, man. So you said, so the machine was humming or it was like your, you could hear your heart humming. Like it's not something you could hear like walking around, but if you laid your chest, your head on my chest, you could hear the humming of my heart spinning. It would just spin. It was a spinning cycle. It was a cycle. Yeah. It would just spin all that. Yeah. Nonstop. It was amazing. And the funny thing is now looking back on it, I didn't have a heart. You don't have a heartbeat Uh once you have a, so you can't have your blood pressure taken. Uh Like a regular person gets their blood pressure taken. Yeah. You have to have a whole different machine that they use to take. It's called a Doppler. Yeah. That they use to give you your, your uh, temperature or what is it? Your, yeah. What? Wow. Because I actually just, um, I just did an interview early, right before you. Um, and she said she's a sound healer and she said that each their cells, you know, whether your heart cells, your brain cells, they all have their own frequency, like, like the Mm -hmm. sound frequency. So when you said that you could hear your heart humming, if you were to lay on your chest, that's phenomenal. Like that is, it's just, it's just like, you could just see God in everything. And it's like, just knowing that your heart has its own sound is just, it's beautiful. It's fascinating. Absolutely. It's amazing. Man. So, and to know that you can have someone else's heart in your body is even that step takes it another step. Exactly. Absolutely. So what would you recommend for just anyone out here after going through this process and still currently going through this process? You got, um, obviously health is your wealth, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to talk to doctors. You need to eat better. And what I had was, it was a virus. I got a cardiomyopathy, which is a virus that happens to pregnant women and men, like between 35 and 45, I believe. Yeah. So, um, you need to not be afraid of doctors. You need to not be afraid of learning what you need to do Mm -hmm. and listening to doctors and listening to the nurses and people that tell you what you need to do, being active on your own, walking, eating right. Um, but if you ever get in a situation where you, you're stuck, you think you're stuck against the wall, just know that you can't, you're not in control. Um, these doctors, these uh, nurses, medical providers know what they're doing. You need to listen to them 
And uh, like I said, you need to let go and let God or whatever your spiritual guide or is to let you um, get to the other side. Yeah. Because it's, it's a journey and you start on it's dark. It can get dark. Absolutely. But it will always get better. I like that. I like that. Thank you so much, Dana. No problem. I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Did you have anything else to add? Um, yeah. Okay. I think people need to, I want people, and I think I need and want people to, to become um, registered donors. Uh-huh. So you can register at your Department of Motor, Motor Vehicles. Uh-huh. Um, I think you can register on your iPhone, which you can. There's an app on your iPhone that you register. But um, I'm a living witness, living, walking testimony of the power of organ donation. Yeah. So, um, you know, once we're out of here, our parts can help other people keep moving along yeah. and go to birthday parties, go to reunions like we just had. Yeah. Laugh and, and continue to do the things they want to do. So organ donation is something that's important. And specifically for myself, for the kidney donor aspect, um, if anyone's interested in being a living donor for a kidney, mm-hmm. they can contact me directly or uh, and I'll give them all that information. So. Absolutely. That's where we're at. And wait, like, did you want to give your Facebook information that way? They yeah, know? I'm sorry. Uh, my Instagram is ddane456. Um, Facebook's Dana Daniels. And uh, I think we can go. Email is ddane456 at gmail.com. Okay. I think those three things will get us there. Absolutely. And I'm going to actually add that in the description box as well. But is there anything else? No, I'm just glad you called me and asked me to come on. No problem. I Thank appreciate you it. so much, cousin. I'm so glad I finally no got problem. to talk to you about this journey. Yep. Still going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone. Again, this is Robin Black with It's All About Healing Podcast. And today's guest, Dana Daniels. So thank you so much, everyone. Stay blessed.